for the graduates today. And uh, the temptation is going to be this graduate Sunday. I graduated years ago. I never graduated. And you're going to tune me out. So that would be a very bad decision to make. Um, what I'm going to share today is applicable to everybody's life, no matter where you are on the journey. But I'm going to focus today with our graduates, whether it's high school, college, graduate school, whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, for the most part, and I think most of us would, uh, would believe this or say this is true of our lives. You know, for the first 18 or so years, give or take, most of the major decisions are made for us. You know, it was never an option uh, for my brother and I growing up. Uh, we didn't get an option of whether we are going to be in church on Sunday morning. Just didn't happen. We were going to be here. Uh, Sunday night, uh, it, we went to church on Sunday night. It was not an option not to be there. The major decisions of life always were usually made by mom and dad, whether we liked it or not. Uh, and I'd let him speak for himself. But for me, there were many a times growing up that they made a decision, and I didn't like it. Uh, and, you know, this is being recorded, and I want my parents to do this. I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like it because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I bet, I'm willing to bet, that there's a lot of people out there today that says, that's my story. I want to do what I want to do. I just want to flutter my wings, and I want to fly. And I want to go, some of you say, I want to go as far away as I can get. Now, others of you want to hover around home like a gnat will hover around vinegar, okay? Some of you don't want to leave home. You know, you're, you're afraid of what this world might bring. It makes no difference where you are in the journey. But for the most part, growing up, most of the decisions were made for us. When we graduate high school... We get to exert a certain amount of freedom. There was no longer mom saying, you need to study when I went to college. There was not this phone call, dad, you know, you need to come in at this certain time at night. You got a curfew. There was no curfew. Woohoo! There was no one there to watch over my shoulder to ensure that I made the best decisions. That doesn't mean that my parents weren't involved, as it will not mean that your parents are not involved. Because they want what is best for you. And many of them will try to micromanage your life. I guarantee you, graduates, if you go to your mom today, she has a plan for your life. She has it. And her plan for your life is not to make the same mistakes that she made. Or if you go to your dad, he has a plan for you. He knows how far he went down a certain road, and he doesn't want you to travel down that road because both your parents know that that road is immersed with tremendous heartache and no parents want to see their children in pain. So you get to spread your wings and you get to make decisions. And hopefully, God willing, you have been reared and raised to make right decisions. You have a moral compass, so to speak. And that moral compass was not given to you automatically. That moral compass is there to guide you and direct you in making the best decisions for your life. For those that graduated high school and you're going to college, the next four years will be very, 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 very life-changing. 
you will probably discover or discern the person that you will marry, statistically. Now, some of you who graduated college and you have no prospects in mind about who to marry, it's okay. Don't rush into it. It will happen in God's timing. And that's one of the cautions I want to encourage you today. You don't have to live your life to mimic anybody else other than Jesus. Don't wish your life away. Don't try to make decisions, impulse decisions, based on what your friends do or what the world does. But be rooted, be foundational in Scripture. Because the next four to six to eight years are going to determine your life for the most part. And you have a tremendous amount of freedom. I remember going to college. You make those decisions. Graduate college. I, I never thought, I've, I've told you this before, I never planned to get married. I was perfectly happy by myself, okay? Uh, I did not need a woman, and I can assure you my wife did not need a man. She'll tell you flat up, didn't want to get married. Neither one of us wanted to. We just wanted company. And so that's really how we started out dating, even though I told her on our first date that she would marry me. Um, but to make a long story short, there came a point in our relationship where, I, you know, I have to make a decision. And outside of the decision to accept Christ and outside the decision to go into the ministry, to accept my call in ministry, the most important decision outside of those two was who I would choose to be my soulmate. Nothing is more critical than who you choose to be your soulmate. And what you're going to realize is that when you select that soulmate, and guys in particular, we tend to select the soulmate based on hormones. Not spiritual hormones, but hormones. Uh, and I'm just being honest. I mean, some of you, you know, you can be in denial all you want to. I mean, liars go to hell every day. Uh, I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. And some, you know, some of you women in this room, all you want is to be able to live in your Disney castle and have your Prince Charming. Two words, reality check. You're not going to live in the Disney castle. And you're probably not going to marry royalty. But hopefully, you have a relationship with all the royalty that matters. And that's Jesus. When I graduated college and we, had, we were engaged, one of my, the rules my wife told me, because I'm used to following rules, and gentlemen, let me tell you this. You can talk all, you can do the locker room talk all day long that you want to about how you rule the roost. Let me just give you this spiritual truth. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. Okay? I'm just telling you. I'm just flat up. I'm going to tell you. It has nothing to do about whether she submits to my authority. It has everything to do with whether I want peace in my household. Okay? Uh, And so when mama speaks, I listen. And so uh, when I really wanted to get engaged and, you know, I had a plan, I had a plan. She said, I'm not going to engage you. And I told this story a couple Sunday nights ago. Uh, I had a plan, and I always have had a plan. I've always had a five-year plan, 10-year plan, 20-year plan. Uh, you know, I've, I've planned my life away. The problem is that I would make a plan, and then I would try to 
filter God in it. Let's, let me just kind of sow the fiber of God into my plan. That way it's spiritual and it's sound. And a lot of you are thinking in those terms. And you and I would be incorrect in doing that. But I had this plan and she said, I will not engage you. If you ask me to marry, me, marry you, I will say no unless you allow me to serve in the capacity as a counselor at Centrifuge. I don't want to have any any kind of loyalty to you. And so I went, uh, I met, I went to Ridgecrest that summer, my junior year of college, and uh, we had planned for a date. And I was going to take her to Black Mountain and take her to Pizza Hut because I'm a romantic. Um, and uh, so I, I go to Ridgecrest, and she's in a crisis with a student, uh, counseling a student, and I wait until midnight. It wasn't happening. So I called a friend of mine that lived near Asheville. I said, can I crash at your place tonight? Because I didn't, obviously I didn't get to see her or whatnot. So the next day, uh, we get to go to Pizza Hut. And I told her, I said, you know, this summer as you focus, I want you to focus on what God has called you to do. And the reason I wanted her to focus on to do what God had called her to do and to align her life and to be centered in His will is because I had spent an enormous amount of months and time and energy and effort making plans for us. I had spent an enormous amount of time making sure that I crossed this T and dotted this I so that everything would lead to the point of asking her to marry me and that we would get married and then I would be fulfilled. But what I realized is that I was kind of forcing it. And so I told her that summer, I said, look, I feel like I have caged you like a bird. And of course she looked at me like, I'm not in a cage. Uh, but I, I felt like I had caged her. I had so surrounded her. I had so squelched her that she could not be the woman that God had called her to be. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to step back and I want you to fly. I want you to know that the cage no longer exists. I want you to fly. I want you to flourish. I want you to do whatever you need to do that you feel compelled by God to accomplish. And then here's what I know. That if you choose to come and roost at my window, then I'll be here. But I don't want to force you. I don't want to force you into something that was never meant to be, no matter how romantic, no matter how I envision it. And as a result of that, freeing up, God only began to confirm even more that we were meant to be together. I tell you that because I want to tell you and share with you, graduates, don't try to control your future. Don't try to control every aspect and every decision, whether it's a decision about a career, whether it's a decision about another degree, whether it's a decision about a move. Don't try to control every aspect of your life, but lend your life to the scripture and Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. Seek God first and foremost. And when you and I seek God first and foremost, and when we recognize that He is not a priority among others, He alone is the priority. When you make Him the priority for your life, you don't have to worry about your future. 
You don't have to worry about your career. You don't have to worry about your financial stake. You don't have to worry about your success. Because when you and I are centered in His will, when we pursue Him with all that we are, He will take care of all the details. I have never, ever, ever not had my needs met as long as I was centered with Him first. Make sure He is first. Verse 33, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And then here's this promise. And all these things, and all these things will be added to you or given to you as well. God's will always will lead you to a better place. God's will will always take you far beyond what you ever thought would be realized. It would be better than you ever imagined. Quit trying to live out your own dream. Quit trying to live out satisfying what your parents' desires are and have a one-on-one conversation with the Almighty who has a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Listen, every month people come to my office or they meet me somewhere out in public and they want to talk. And 99% of the time as we begin to talk and discuss and to talk about life and to talk about the journey... The problems they are facing are the same problems that I faced. And they're rooted in this simple problem. When we have not conformed to His will. God has a plan for you. For some of you, it may be to go to graduate school. For some of you, it may be to go into a career. For some of you, it may be to go into the ministry. For all of you, it is to answer your call. Because every single person in this room has been uniquely gifted by the Almighty God to do that which only you can perform through Him. Don't try to be somebody else. Be the best you that you can be. Centered in Him. Seeking Him first. Above all else. Everything that you need in life will be provided to you as long as you maintain Him as a priority. Young lady, more so than any Prince Charming you're going to meet, fall in love with Jesus. Let Him be first and foremost. And when he's first and foremost in your relationships, all your other relationships will fall into place. You may meet Prince Charming, but Prince Charming's not the one who has saved you and called you and sustained you all these years. God is. Never lose sight of that. Your value is not in who you marry. Your value is not in the degrees that you hold. Your value is not in your own initiative. Your value is in the fact that God loved you first and foremost. And all he asks, all he asks is that you will seek him first in life. 
in this journey that you have embarked on, you only need to exit the journey when the road that you are on or when that exit leads you to the rightful place that God wants for you. Let me give you an illustration. About 15, 16 years ago, uh, of course, I always come to church early on Sunday morning and Usually if I'm not here by 7 o'clock, I'm in distress. I don't know why. It's just a rule. Um, and so on this particular Sunday morning, we were in Louisiana, and I go to the church, uh, and Tabby's going to come a little bit later. At the time, we were living at the seminary. And um, so she calls me about 9.30, and she says to me, where am I? What do you mean, where are you? I don't know where I am. I don't know how I got to where I am, and I need you to tell me where I am. Sure, that's easy. Now, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, GPS, I know for a lot of you college students, uh, you know, you've always had GPS. There was no GPS, okay? No GPS at the time. So I get a phone call, and I said, uh, I don't know where you are. What does the road look like? She was like, there's nothing. I'm on an interstate uh, there's raised bridges. I have no idea where I am. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You shouldn't. I mean, there's no city around you. I mean, we're in New Orleans. Surely you can tell when you leave a big city. There's nothing. All I see is swamp and dead trees. And I'm like, have you gone up I-55? Now, let me just tell you a little story. I-55 is about 15 miles away from the exit she needed to be on. And what she had done, uh, I realized, is she had taken the I-55 north. She was on her way to Jackson, Mississippi, okay? Uh, and uh, so she calls, and she calls back, and she goes, I'll figure it out. So click, hung up. You know, I was glad to be able to help. And... Uh, so she calls back about 10 minutes later. And at this point, I didn't really know where she was. I just knew that. I was like, wherever you are, just turn around, okay? I just go back, go back towards the city of New Orleans. Surely you'll see a sign that says New Orleans. And uh, so, you know, got off the phone with her. She hung up, you know, whatnot. Glad I was able to help. And about 20 minutes later, she calls. She goes, let me speak to Dwight. Well, Dwight was the pastor of the church. I'm like, okay. Uh, I said, you don't want to talk to me? He can solve my problems. Okay. So I handed my cell phone over to Dwight, and uh, Dwight put it on, uh, or put my my phone on on speaker. And he says, well, Tabby, where are you? She goes, I'm in hell. That's where I am. (laughs) Never mind, he's my boss. Well, this could be an interesting staff meeting on Monday. And he said, what do you mean you're in hell? She goes, I'm in hell. There are no exits. A week later, we had a missionary from the International Mission Board on furlough that was scheduled to speak to the church. And his opening statement, opening illustration, he asked the congregation, how many of you have been to hell lately? And Tavi raised her hand and says, I have. Ruined the illustration, the air went out of the room, and not to mention the fact that, he, uh, that, that she and I had to entertain him all afternoon, and he never got over the fact that we ruined his opening illustration. But I'll tell you this, this fact as I look back at that story. I'm on, I'm on the road to hell. How do you know? There are no exits. I want you to think about that. How many times have you been going down a journey... 
and you take an exit to get gas. I'll give you a prime example of something that frustrates me. I take an exit when I first, before we ever moved here. I love Chick-fil-A. And the closest Chick-fil-A on the Interstate 26, it said, exit here, exit 23. That Chick-fil-A is nowhere near exit 23. You've got to go all the way down, all the way down to Johnson City Medical Center. I think it should be against the law to advertise that kind of stuff. Okay? There was no, I mean, and I was lost. I didn't know where I was. It took me on a journey I never thought I was going to be on. I thought, as soon as I exit, I'll be able to understand where I am and have a plan. So many of us, on our walk in life, and our journey in life, we see the exit, and the exit is tempting, and we take it. We take the exit because we're hungering after something that won't last, and we take it, and we go down that road only to realize that that exit doesn't appear to have a way to get back on the main highway. Graduates, as you go down life's journey, as you travel down that road, there are going to be many, many tempting parking places along the way. There are going to be many exit signs promising you this, promising you that. Be grounded. Seek first the kingdom of God. There is no place that you ever need to venture. There is no place that you ever need to travel to that God has not ordained for you to be there. So when you graduate and you go out in the world and you're tempted and you're wanting to know what, you, you know, you're wanting to interview, you're, you're wanting to put your best foot forward. And I did this, I haven't always done this, but I did this when I came here. When we interviewed, I kind of let them know, you're interviewing me and I'm interviewing you. And here's the thing, I quit a while ago of trying to impress people. Just be you. Don't try to force God's will. Don't try to baptize what you want into being God's divine will for your life. If things are meant to be, let them be. God has got you. God has got your life. He's got your journey. Seek Him first. Because I tell you this, I'm 40 years old. I don't want to be anywhere. I don't want to be any place, regardless of what the world says is successful. I don't want to be anywhere that God has not ordained for me to be. And I want you to know, with all of our heart, when I say that we are praying for you, we are praying for you. We want you to succeed in life. We want you to be the absolute best that you can be. And you will be the best that you can be when you are God's best to a world that needs to be touched by Him. Whether you like it or not, you are called into the ministry. Whether that ministry takes you to a corporation, whether that takes you to an assembly line, whether that takes you to the public school system, wherever, wherever God plants you, you are His missionary. You have been placed strategically in your role. Quit praying for the grass on the other side. Quit praying to have the calling that you want and accept the calling that you have. God is an amazing God. He has never failed me. As I stand in this pulpit today, there's so many stories that I could tell you about how things happened and it 
occurred far better than what I ever, ever could have made it to be in myself. I really believe as I look, I have had a fairy tale life. I married a princess. Now, I may not be the Prince Charming, but I married a princess. There is nothing that I would change about my life. There is nothing that I would change about my journey. I fully accept where I am. I fully accept where He has brought me. And there is no other ambition that I yearn for other than to be centered, seeking Him first. Because I have experienced what it's like to be outside of His will. I have experienced what it's like to be outside of His plan. And I'm here to tell you that when you are outside the will of God, when you're outside the plan that He has for you, it is hell. God does not want you to suffer. God does not yearn for you to be in pain. God wants you to live a fulfilling life. As you look today, and listen, some of you, some of us have made decisions and we're caught up in a moment. And we've, we've taken that exit. We've taken that tempting parking place. Now we don't know what to do. Be centered in Him. Seek Him first. You want to fix your job? Seek Him first. You want to feel fulfilled? Seek Him first. You want to feel like you're valued? Seek Him first. You're not in the marriage that you want to be? Seek Him first. And everything else will fall into place. God's promise to prosper you and not to harm you. Seek God first and foremost. Understand that He's always wanting to take you to a better place. And in closing, I simply tell you a biblical story. Abraham, who was a descendant of Moses, had everything going for him. He was wealthy beyond measure, had plenty of cattle, plenty of land. And when Abraham became 75 years old, and for some of you in this room, you're thinking, 75 years old, I'm retired. It's time for me to coast. When Abraham was 75 years old, God came to him. And said, I want you to leave all that you know. I want you to leave your comfortability. I want you to leave your wealth. I want you to leave your life as you know it. And I want you to go. I just want you to go. And I'll show you where you're going to end up. Now, that's the equivalent of buying a one-way ticket to somewhere that you don't know. And God did it. God honored it. Abraham followed through with it. And God brought Abraham out of the land of Ur into the land of Canaan. And God blessed Abraham to the point that generations upon generations upon generations would be blessed through him. All because Abraham did not value his wife, did not value his wealth, did not value his sustenance, did not value his success, did not value anything, anything more than he valued of seeking God first. So if you look at your life today and it's in chaos, the way out of it 
is not to relive the toil and trouble. The way out of it. Seek Him first. And everything, everything will fall into place. When we don't seek Him first, we always will be disappointed. We will always be disillusioned.